0: Maybe it's just that you don't know how to use social courtesy.
1: Oh, that's old fashioned. Watch how Lizzie Post
0: and Dan Post act as host and hostess. They know that courtesy means showing respect, thinking of the other person, real friendliness. Welcome on this episode of Awesome Etiquette. A couple asks how to handle having a small, quiet wedding and not offend anyone. A mom asks about good intentions versus magic words. A listener is curious about a large doggy bag when treating a coworker. Another wonders about how focused a friend is while on the phone. And a question about how to handle introducing your sobriety without going into details. All that plus a postscript segment inspired by a listener who asks about the etiquette of self respect. Coming up.
1: Awesome Etiquette comes to you from the studios of Vermont Public Radio and is proud to be part of the Infinite Guest Network from American Public Media. I'm Lizzie Post.
0: And I'm Dan Post-Senning from the Emily Post Institute.
1: Do You and I each have something kind of interesting that's going on
0: interesting and fun
1: interesting and fun i like that you say that i'm (laughs) (laughs) i get teased a little bit for the amount that i that i travel with my parents and we are both this year going on rather large in in the coming six months going on rather large vacations with our folks Mm -hmm. as adults i'm i'm 32 you're 38 (laughs) (laughs) 38 and um and I think some people would view that as not as common to go on vacation with your family. Mm-hmm. And others would view it as like the best thing ever. And it comes up. And I mean, it comes Just up. last week
0: yeah. we had a question that was about families sharing costs. And yeah. one of the, the the examples that jumps to mind and that we got some of the most feedback from yeah. was families that are vacationing together.
1: Absolutely. I'm headed to Italy in three weeks with my parents and actually my Aunt Maureen and Uncle Bill, mm-hmm. who are part of the Post family mm-hmm. as well. Um, they I will be traveling with them to go over to Italy. And then I'll be going to Tuscany to meet up with my folks and they're going to meet us there in a couple days.
0: Insane with jealousy. I over know. Here. I'm like really, <laughs> <by the way.
1: laughs> I really like hanging out with my parents, like I actually yeah. like them as people. I find them fun and interesting. And I've been same with our aunt and uncle. So it's, I'm like kind of really looking forward to this.
0: And I would be too, a, a chance to tour Northern Italy with Peter Post, who is a, a food fanatic, <laughs> just yeah. to, to do sort of a regional food tour with your father.
1: It's fun. I, Italy is really fun with them on the food front. But what about you? Because you're planning actually part of your honeymoon to spend with with your folks.
0: I am, and and boy, that that sounds a little strange. I was <laughs>
1: You might get a little more crud about that than I do about traveling as a single adult with my parents.
0: <laughs> it's true. Okay, so f- for the record, Pooja and I uh, did did a quick escape to the beach for about a week right after the wedding. Right. Our, our plan was always to do a, a bigger, longer honeymoon to visit her family in Jaipur. And I've never been to India to, to spend a little bit of time touring. Traveling, um, yeah. My parents have never been to India also and are excited about the prospect of meeting some of the family that didn't sure. come for the wedding. A bunch of Pooja's mother side of the family. Is, is there. Him, yeah. And they the, the, the opportunity to come with us was just too delicious. And frankly, <laughs> we extended the invitation. We said right. we'd love to have them. So, so th- this
1: wasn't the parents being like, so you're going to <clears throat> India. <laughs> yes.
0: Okay, and there's a bit of a precedence. I did a, a bit of a gap year in college where I spent about 11 months touring in Africa. Sure. And my parents came and visited for a small chunk of that time. I took them around and it was... Uh, A foundational event in our lives together as adults. They so enjoyed that trip. And I told my mother before she came, you're not allowed to plan an itinerary. You're my responsibility when you get off the plane for the next two and a half weeks and – (laughs) <laughs> Just trust me, it's going to be a good time. And and it was. They had a phenomenal time. And this time we, we haven't set a similar rule. Precedent, sure. In, in fact, we're already working on a joint itinerary because one of the things that we want to be sure to do is to plan our time together, to plan those family visits, to do some touring that we all really want to do. But then also uh, Pooj and I would like to go to the coast and the spend honeymoon. a little time a- on our own. And um, so because the nature of this trip is a little different, the planning and the preparation is going to be a little different. I think sure. that starts to bring in the etiquette idea here a little bit which is how do you prep for a family vacation that maybe it's a nuclear family maybe it's with parents maybe it's with your your kids (laughs) your in-laws and i keep coming back to that communication being so important and whatever um, you're looking for from that experience that you all coordinate and and get on the same page as much as possible and if that's we're going to have adventure travel we're not going to have any rules we're going to stay spontaneous
1: even just be prepared agreeing for
0: that. <laughs> on that might go a long way towards getting you off on the right foot.
1: A few things that come to mind would be things like, what are the musts? Like, for instance, my parents even said they tossed a Italy handbook at me and they said, you know, Check out the region. What do you want to see? Mm -hmm. Now, I happen to be the type of traveler where I just love to be dragged along. Like, I had one relationship where the person that I was with was so amazing. He just, he loved planning vacations. He planned everything, and I just happy-go-lucky went along for the ride, and it was a surprise. Everything was like, oh, and we're going to go play golf here today. Oh, and we're going to go do this. Oh, and there's this great barbecue place you've looked up. This is awesome awesome! Like, I didn't know what I was missing because Mm -hmm. I hadn't done any of the research and I loved everything on the trip. So, I'm that kind of traveler, and I, I let my folks know that. But they were like, no, 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 like, read up, make sure. So I was like, okay. Yeah.
0: We've been doing the exchanging guidebooks. Yeah. Give them back th- a little tag. in the th- Something. Yeah.
1: And then the other thing is to really kind of figure out what's what's important to you in terms of your daily routine. What can you handle? Oh. Are you the kind of person that can handle? I have literally probably walked up to, like, 25 miles a day in Rome with my mother before because we are walkers. Yep. We can just walk and walk and walk and walk and walk and walk and walk, and it's crazy. But some people aren't like that. So what are kind of your daily needs? Where where do you max out? What do you know about yourself as a traveler? And I think even just communicating those two things, you are like 75 percent. We're giving it a number. Chance better. of. (laughs) I'm actually throwing numbers out there. This is the 75 percent post guarantee that you're going to have a good vacation. No, Um, But I think that that's I think it's a good shot once you've said what are the things that you can't miss? And kind of how do you tend to structure your and day? I bet I've what bet you got third What's the third? Budget. Oh, totally.
0: Be really clear about the budget. So I think those are three things to the keep basics, in mind. Good yeah. pre-planning thoughts. As we get closer, uh, Lizzie will be gone very shortly in the next couple of weeks. The trip that I'm talking about. you're still going
1: to have a fresh show every week. We've been working hard to make sure that happens. Indeed. In the meantime, questions? Questions. All right.
0: Perhaps you can help me with a problem. I'd like your advice, Jim.
1: My advice?
0: Yes, I've got quite a serious problem. On each and every episode of Awesome Etiquette, we take your questions on how to behave. Our first question is titled Shh, we want a quiet wedding. <laughs> Hello. We are engaged and both come from very large families, but really, really want a tiny wedding with just the parents and grandparents and my one sibling. This would be a total of 15 people, including us. How do we invite people and announce our engagement, ideally before someone announces it for us, while still saying we're having a small wedding? We thought of saying it was a budget thing, but then realized not only is it not true, but there are certain aunts and uncles who would take it upon themselves to help us by paying for a large wedding.
1: Awesome Etiquette gets support from StoryWorth. There are some stories about your mom's life that you truly never get tired of hearing. From hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting, mom's retelling of the events always brings a bit of joy. Just in time for Mother's Day,
0: His uncle once paid for hotel and plane tickets for a distant cousin to attend a family wedding that the cousin wasn't even invited to. Eloping also sounded excellent until we realized grandma might actually have a heart attack if we did this and his mother would be heartbroken. We're quiet, reserved people, and just want something special but tiny, even though we have huge and sometimes overbearing family members.
1: Help. <laughs> I like this one. And I've got some advice, and Dan has some experience. So Pooch and I wrestled. We had this exact yeah. discussion.
0: We both, our instinct was to go very small, and it was so impossible, really, in the in the long run for us personally, but for it's a you. valid choice to make and we really thought about it. So <laughs> how should we have done it if we had made this choice?
1: What I think they're getting confused about is that announcing your engagement and telling people the type of wedding you are going to have are two totally separate things. Um, you are going to get a lot of questions and you can feel them by simply saying, we're leaning towards something very small. But I would say go announce your engagement. Do that, like you said, before one of your other family members does it for you. So so <laughs> Call all the necessary people and then you can put it up on social media. But I would really encourage you to stand by it and with honesty. You know, if anybody asks, we're leaning towards a very small wedding right now. And if they say, oh, is that because of budget? You can say, no, no, it's just what suits us. It's what we're comfortable with. It's what suits us. It's what we're comfortable with. It's what suits us. It's what we're... You are going to say it until you're blue in the face. It's true. But (laughs) it is really okay for you to have that small wedding. Um, And I, I I encourage you to stick to it if it's what you really want. Almost every couple I've ever known has at some point in their – wedding planning or engagement process very heavily fantasized about a small wedding. Oh my goodness. Um, even just, you know, the two of us at the, at the you know, clerk's office or whatever it is mm-hmm. at City Hall. And I think I would encourage you to consider that big wedding and if it at all starts to seem like it's going to make sense, go for it. But if it doesn't, that's perfectly okay. And just, it doesn't have to be for budget. It doesn't have to be for anything other than what you wanted and this is what you wanted. This um,
0: is your special, special day. Exactly.
1: And as people, if people criticize it and say, oh, but we wanted to be a part of it, you just say, you just say, I understand that. And that's it. You don't have to continue (laughs) that conversation. I understand that.
0: And it's not a big sad thing. In fact, it's a great thing. People. Um, feel close to you. And mm-hmm. they want to share in this this moment. And that's 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 a reasonable thing. That's an understandable thing. But, it, but it it's really mean it's your always gonna choice. Happen. It's exactly. your choice. Exactly. We tell people all the time, don't be offended you weren't invited to a wedding. Yes. Guest list decision making is impossibly difficult. It's an incredibly
1: and intimate moment in people's lives people too. People really
0: the, 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 we hear all the time about people who think that someone should have been invited or they weren't invited or they're worried about hurt feelings because someone's not going to be invited. And we give the advice again and again and again. People should not be offended. A wedding invitation is an honor and a privilege, but it's not an expectation. And it's why getting one is so great, but it's also why you should never feel bad if you're not invited to a wedding.
1: Exactly. So have your small wedding, announce your engagement and simply say, right now we're leaning towards something small. Good luck.
0: Congratulations.
1: Our next question has to do with good intentions versus magic words. Dear Dan and Lizzie, thank you for sharing your etiquette insights during the podcast. I always find them insightful and fun. Before I ask my question, I have to tell you, I had to laugh to myself when I listened to the episode in which you described the outdated practice of displaying wedding gifts at the wedding. Twelve years ago, when I was married, we practiced a version of this. My mother set up a table with a white damask tablecloth in her living room and displayed our wedding gifts. Friends who would drop by with gifts or well wishes before the wedding would take a few minutes to visit and view the gifts. It was still a proper southern custom at that time. I am the mother of two young children, eight and five. Several months ago, we were attending a children's party in a friend's home. My son, John Bryan, who is five, asked the hostess, may I have some water? Another adult in the room, not me or the hostess, kept insisting that to receive water, my son needed to say, may I have some water, please? We certainly encourage our children to say please, but we do not insist that they say it every time if their request is politely and respectfully made. In our family, etiquette goes beyond knowing the correct manners to the way in which we interact with people, focusing on kindness and consideration. But I continue to wonder about that incident. Should we be more insistent that our children always say things such as please, yes, ma'am, and no, sir? Thank you for your thoughts. Sarah, Baton Rouge, Louisiana.
0: Hi, Sarah. Thanks. Who dat? am oh,
1: sorry. <laughs> I had to get it in there.
0: Thank you for your question. Also, thank you for sharing the delightful episode about your mother displaying the wedding gifts. It's always fun to hear about. um Traditions. Traditions, exactly, yeah. and and how they live on. As far as the question, um, I like the way Lizzie framed this question um, as ma- magic words versus intentions. Yeah. And we get this question all the time, particularly when we do our business etiquette training, that – your, your <laughs> intentions are important <laughs> and – but what's, what's really important are your actions and the results from those actions and we emphasize this again and again and again. A big part of having good etiquette is learning how to make your intentions explicit and it sounds like you're doing a remarkable job as a parent um, and – I like the place that you're coming from where the use of please and ma'am and sir is not just rote. It's not just something that you, that you spit out unconsciously. And it's certainly true that in our adult lives we ask for things all the time without necessarily using these magic words. There are ways that you can ask for something that show consideration. Uh, May I have some water is, is, is a reasonable, in fact, grammatically correct <laughs> way, I know, right? way to ask for something. For
1: a five-year-old, that's pretty darn good.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. I can understand watching someone um, doing this kind of instruction with your child and wondering if it was the appropriate time and place. Like right. I, I could see um, a situation where your your child asks someone for something and they say, did you say please? And maybe the tone starts to be one of, of they're doing disciplining or or they're starting to set up. a.
1: And you're saying not in the like um, like sometimes with little Alexander, for instance, they'll be like, did you say please? And I've almost got a joking authoritative tone to it. Or do you mean like. Where they're really like bringing down the hammer like, did you say please? Exactly. The way that Which the
0: one? adult in this situation yeah. handles it, I do think matters and, and think would affect right. the way I would respond as a parent <laughs> to someone saying this to my child. At the same time, the heart of the matter, you're in touchy ground when you're trying to defend your right not to use magic words. <laughs> and when I first read this question, I looked at some of the, the <laughs> notes great and replies. <laughs>
1: That's such a great way to put it. Put it.
0: I definitely saw my cousin Lizzie taking the tone of it's such a small. (laughs) Okay, she was being the stickler. It's such a small thing. Give them the please. (laughs) And no, you don't need to use it every time. But if someone asks for it, particularly an adult of a child, just give them the please and you're out the door with your glass of water.
1: You know where I look at the difference? I think even if I had children, I would not – insist on a please every single time. I'd let some slide in my own home. But I think I would definitely talk to my kids about how, and it might even be something in the car, like, hey guys, remember, if you're gonna ask for something, say please, that you just remind. And I think in those moments, it's always okay when your your family's kind of out and about to have the emphasis be on making sure the magic words are there. And adults have a tendency, magic words are low-hanging, easy fruit that the whole world, your teachers, coaches, uh, parents, you know, friends, parents, that sort of thing, are all going to be in safe territory when they correct your kids on please. Maybe not to the level that this person did it. I think that this person, maybe like as a third-party observer not being the one who was being asked to get the water, probably needed to back off. But (laughs) I also – I'm never going to feel bad about someone really encouraging kids to use the word please.
0: Mom, sounds like you're doing a great job. I
1: know, right? Keep it up. I love it.
0: Our next question is about my treat for you. Just you. (laughs) Hello. Hello. Recently, I treated a co-worker out to lunch who was always crying that she is broke. I took her to a Thai restaurant. We ordered appetizer, entree, and dessert. Not only did she order the most expensive item on the menu, but she also set aside half of each food course on her appetizer plate. When I finally asked her what she was doing, she told me that she was setting aside half of her meal so that she could bring a meal treat home to her mother since they both rarely get to go out to eat. Is it me or was that tacky of her to take advantage of my treat?
1: Geraldine? I, you know, it's one of those technically offered to take her out um, so she gets to choose to do what she does with her food. But I, I, I'm sorry. I'm going to say it. This is tacky. It's tacky. It, it. Okay. It would be one thing if you and I went out to lunch and it was like my roommate's favorite restaurant and I just didn't eat half of my entree. So I brought it home and offered it to my roommate for her to have. Mm-hmm. But. That's not the case here. This is like purposefully portioning off food and doing it for each appetizer, entree, and dessert. And I just – this gets into territory of – I think she took advantage of the situation. I think she ordered the most expensive thing, which you never do when someone – technically, you're mm-hmm. you're allowed to. But it's like the host-guest dance. Out of respect to your host, you never order the most expensive yep. thing unless they've encouraged you to do it. I think I think the girl was in the wrong. My advice, don't ask her out to lunch again. So, yeah. Dan's going to come Dan's like dying to get way, in on two this. Way, two He's way thought sitting you're like
0: <laughs> No cuz is. Yeah. It it is and it, 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 sure. it's so easy to perceive this that way and if I were giving advice to someone about how to accept an invitation where they're being hosted we often say don't do the doggy bag because you want to avoid this impression yeah Uh, particularly true in business situations if someone is treating you to a meal in a business situation even if you just are unable to finish your entree and you feel like it's going to go to waste we oftentimes say don't Ask for the doggy bag to avoid the impression that you're stockpiling food or trying to bring home food on someone else's dime.
1: Or even just that food is the more important part of this. Or
0: even that food is more important than the relationship building. In a situation like this, I'm always looking to give the other person the benefit of the doubt and trying to to take – if this person is really someone who it's difficult they, – they, they cannot afford this. This is a special and unique opportunity and event and their initial instinct is I want to share this with my mother who mm-hmm. also maybe for for whom this would be a special and unique event. Maybe Thai food is a new experience. Maybe even eating out is – I don't know. I'm just – I'm going as broad as I possibly can and saying this person's intentions might be really good. What, what, oh, I what think comes across intentions is are good, but um, I think it's the a little place selfish to do it. is really actually an act of generosity on her part. She's sharing this one treat that she's gotten here, so mm-hmm. th- that's where I sort of I, I try to offer the latitude. But I hear what you're saying, and yeah, it's, and, again,
1: I go back to the if she just simply not finished it and and wasn't stockpiling it on her side plate. I think that's the move that. That gets me. If you don't eat all of it and your friend that you're sharing this meal with says, you know, oh, do you want to bring that home? I think that's where you say, oh, I would just love to. It's my mother's favorite thing and she never gets to go out. I would love to be able to do this. That's one thing. But intentionally, you're sharing appetizers with people and she's cutting them in half and putting them on a side plate for someone that isn't present at that meal and was not invited by the host.
0: And, and that's where I think you're you're, yeah, you're spot on with I'm a point the of etiquette. Thing. This treat is for her, yeah. not for her and her yeah. mother. That wasn't the way it was presented. So,
1: Gerilyn, advice for the future? You can never say to someone, you can't do this. I think, I think Dan's right that there is a, an overarching level of generosity that's at the heart of what this person was trying to do, even though it made you feel taken advantage of. What I think that you should do is – In the future, when you take someone out, you can always make menu suggestions that are in the mid-price range. And that's usually a good and a a respectful cue from you to your guest that this is kind of what the price range you're comfortable with. Or you can say, you know, this is the most wonderful thing on their menu. And please, if you would like to order it, go right ahead. That way you just feel a little more like you've invited the person to order that most expensive thing. I would also say that um, it's up to you who you treat in the future. And if I were in your position and I felt taken advantage of, I would not invite someone out again and just leave it at that. And then, you know, in terms of the the conversations at the office and such, you can listen to them or and you can try and give advice or you can listen to them and just listen. Or, you know, you can say, hey, you know, I, I understand and I feel so terrible, but I get a little uncomfortable when we talk about money. And those might yeah. be ways that you can handle, handle this person being in your life in the future. And I hope that that helps. And I hope that you have a very nice person treating you to lunch fairly soon. And I want to
0: also applaud yeah. your instinct for, for taking your coworker out. It's a really nice thought.
1: That is a really nice gesture. This question is titled, Phone Focus. When talking on the phone, is it proper for the other person to be washing dishes or having water running in the background or even an appliance running in the background? I find this to be annoying. Thanks.
0: I could see you being annoyed with um, background noise on a phone call. I think that in in social situations, just like in business, you want to take care that you're not distracted when you're on the phone, that you're giving your attention to the person who you're with. And if what's going on in the background is so distracting that it starts to give the impression that you're not paying attention or you're not focused or it just becomes hard to hear the person, it becomes disruptive um, on social calls. I'm going to give people a little more latitude. Totally, um, I'm going to give other people the same latitude I'd want them to give me if I'm puttering around the kitchen, wiping down countertops while I'm having a phone call in the evening that's a social phone call. As long as um, I'm able to keep up with the conversation and what I'm doing isn't so noisy that it's distracting from the conversation. I'm not going to worry if someone else is doing the same thing.
1: What about the fact that it's happening to her? Should she say something like, hey, it'd be great if you could call me back Absolutely. at a time? Okay.
0: Yeah. Or, so what do you say? What um, would you do? Sorry, Liz, I'm having trouble hearing you. It sounds like there might be something in the background and, and I'm just – I'm getting a lot of that right now. Yeah. Should we have this call later?
1: I like it. I like having that language. (laughs) (laughs) That's a sample script from Dan. We hope that that helps, and hopefully you'll have much more pleasant social phone calls in the future.
0: Our next question has to do with sobriety. Hello, Lizzie and Daniel. I have a question that probably will fall into the category of the most obvious solution is the right one, but (laughs) we'd love your advice. Thank you for recognizing that that's the territory we often (laughs) tread. I'm in my 20s, and I somewhat recently have stopped drinking due to problems I have with alcohol. Everyone that knows me is supportive of my sobriety. But when people find out about my sober status, it often presents an awkward situation or perhaps an assumption. My journey to sobriety was spurred by events that I am not comfortable sharing with most people. I am quite comfortable and happy with my new life. But I always worry how others will perceive me, especially old friends. I will be in a very casual wedding in about a month for a close friend. I am concerned about how to handle the reception with all of her friends, my acquaintances who drink and know me as a drinker. I feel the simple answer of, I don't drink, when offered a beer is appropriate, but in my situation, as a former beer enthusiast as well as a young person in a culture where drinking is extremely commonplace, I can't help but feel judged and feel that I must explain further. How can I tactfully explain without giving the gory details, making anyone uncomfortable or arousing suspicion? Sincerely, E.
1: I spent two and a half years sober. And loved it. It was just for my own choice. I had realized that ever since I could drink at 21, I had been. So why not try not? I got interesting reactions from people across the board. Um, I remember. (laughs) The worst experience I ever had with it was a woman who, the first thing she said when I said, oh, no, I don't drink, she said, were you an addict? (laughs) So strike one, right? We can all hear that that's like, really? Like, you just face I, I thought you that, were going like, to say, are
0: you pregnant? No,
1: but that came next. Oh, is it because you're pregnant? And I was like, no, you want to go for three? And she goes, you are going to lose so much weight. <laughs> yes. And I was just like, and we're done. Thank you so much for playing tonight. <laughs> like Just turn and start talking to somebody else. You're going to get a lot of comments, but I think personally, no explanation is needed. Um, someone offers you a drink. You just say, no, thanks. I'm good. Or I'd love water. Thank you. They pry further. Oh, but you're the queen of margaritas. You can say, I know, but I'm making some changes. Or time to hand the crown to someone else. I'm really good with a ginger ale night. Thanks. Yeah. And it's funny how often when you're in control of that answer, people do tend to back off. You get the rare person like I did who went yep. three strikes. And that's the person that you can say, listen, I'm not interested in discussing it tonight. I'm really here to focus on the bride and the groom. She's going to a casual wedding. I think that's the way to play it. Over time, it's
0: likely this is going to get easier and easier and less and less fraught.
1: (laughs) I mean, up until the time I started drinking again, I had the conversation over every time someone spotted me with just a ginger ale or that the bartender made me these amazing drinks that had no alcohol in them. Oh, what are you drinking? But you're going to just continually have the conversation. And I guarantee you, it gets easier to have the conversation the more times you've had it. And I just encourage you to be honest, but don't feel like you got to give away the entire story because it's your story and it's your business. We hope
0: you have a great time at the wedding. And this is not a big distraction. Social courtesy does pay, doesn't it? Thanks.
1: Thanks to everyone for sending in your questions. And remember, we love updates. If we answered your question on the show or if you have a comment about one of our questions, please feel free to send it in. You can also submit your question to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. Leave a message for us on our answering machine at 802-866-0860 or send it in via Facebook or Twitter. Just use the hashtag awesomeetiquette so we know you want it on the show.
0: Today's postscript comes directly from a really thoughtful response that we got from Sarah R., a listener who writes in. Dear Lizzie and Dan, thanks so much for creating Awesome Etiquette. I see it as a roadmap for navigating challenges I never anticipated as an adult, and I feel so much better equipped because of the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. I have a broad question. What are your thoughts on self-etiquette? Is there such a thing? I've often considered the platinum rule since you broached it on the show, and I've tried to incorporate it into my daily life. But lately, I've been thinking, isn't it also important to treat yourself as you would want others to treat you? Oftentimes, we are our own toughest critics and worst enemies, and this negative inner voice can be as socially destructive as being outwardly rude to people. I have observed that others enjoy my company the most when I am taking care of myself, and that negative inner voice is turned off. When I am treating myself in a warm and polite manner, I think it's much easier to treat others with the same respect. So treat yourself as you would want others to treat you. Is there already a name for this? The Palladium Rule, perhaps? And did Emily have anything to say on this topic? Or would she have considered the idea of personal etiquette selfish? And this is in the note, and Lizzie and I have chose to use this not word because we like it, Unrelatedly, I love hearing you talk about Burlington, which is one of my favorite New England towns. My brother just graduated from UVM in May, and I'm so glad he's staying local. So I have an excuse to go back all the time. Thanks again for AE. It's such a pleasure each week. Best Sarah. I love it. Sarah, thank you so much. Isn't you pretty that much thoughtful? It's remarkable. <laughs> and you just wrote a postscript. <laughs> she I, I did. We I have very don't have much to little say. to add, although I want to because you've keyed on what I think is one of the hearts of good etiquette self etiquette is um it's so important and again just yesterday i was doing an interview where i was talking to a reporter and I was describing the phenomenon of how etiquette is the most powerful when it's applied as a lens to look at yourself and your own actions. Yes. It absolutely is. And it's it's absolutely remarkable how effective it is as a tool when you use it to assess your own behavior. Love it. It becomes much less effective when you're assessing other people's behavior. It's <laughs> It's useful. It's good to notice and see what's working and what's not working for other people. But those aren't people who you're going to be able to necessarily change or affect the way that you look at yourself is so critical and the respect that you show yourself is so uncritical. My, my mother helped develop our children's etiquette program. And when we teach the principles of consideration, respect and honesty to children, we have to think about ways to make these concepts real for people, uh, real particularly for people that aren't abstract <laughs> thinkers yet, people that are very concrete thinkers. And it's the definitions for these words that come from our children's program that I often find the most useful. And Cindy Senning, started talking about respect as respect for others, respect for things, and respect for self. Exactly. And you've said it very well here. The The respect that you show yourself is as important as the respect that you show others. So, If you wouldn't say those negative things to someone else, if you would give them the benefit of the doubt, I think it's appropriate and important that you apply that same lens to yourself, that when you notice that harsh voice, that critical voice, that – insulting or demeaning voice that you remind yourself that it's not appropriate. That's not a good right. way for you to be thinking or talking about yourself to yourself. Thank you for your question and I want to take nominations for what rare element we should name this particular concept after.
1: I like the palladium rule. I thought that was pretty good.
0: That might work. <laughs> Sarah, thank you again for your question. Um we really appreciate it and I hope you continue to enjoy the show. You hear that? She says you're not as rude as you used to be.
1: What do you know? We have two etiquette salutes for you today, and while we are very happy to present you with two, we also are going to request that you send more because we really love them. They are one of the most delightful things to read in my day, and I will tell you, when I am having a bad day, I love going and reading our etiquette salute inbox. I love this first etiquette salute because it happens in real time. In fact, that's how it starts out. Good afternoon. I'm sending you this salute in real time, basically as it's happening. It was, of course, about two weeks ago at this point. But... (laughs) As I'm listening to your podcast, Natch, I commute using public transportation and have all the typical experiences that go along with that. Right this second, I am seated next to a gentleman who is talking on his cell phone, ordinarily a faux pas, of course, but so quietly that I can't hear a word he's saying. Thank you, Baltimore light rail rider, for thinking of your fellow commuters, Megan. I love the the enthusiasm with which she has that.
0: And thank you for the (laughs) real-time etiquette update. Keep them coming, intrepid reporters in the field. I
1: know, right? So our second salute begins. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. First of all, as all these start... (laughs) I love your show. I've been listening since the beginning and really appreciate the advice and your etiquette geeking out. Since I love that we, we had, I believe it was a 13 year old who termed it that, and now people yes. actually do write in about us geeking out. That's like a thing now. We geek out on etiquette. I'd like to offer a sincere thank you to everyone at the Miami International Airport Customs and Immigration Area. I'd heard horror stories about it and am happy to say my experience couldn't be more different. Though the lines were long and people were stressed out, the staff made every effort to be kind, offer words of encouragement, greet every customer, even the admittedly rude ones, with a smile, and altogether made what could have been a horrible experience pretty pleasant. Also, a shout-out should be offered to the passengers standing with me in the lines to transfer to a domestic flight after landing on an international flight. Every passenger was courteous to one another. Several offered to switch places in line with people who were near to missing their flights, and everyone was polite and kind to the TSA workers. A round of applause should be awarded to all in that situation. And I hope others can experience such a pleasant airport experience in the future. Thank you in advance for your advice. And thank you both so much for all your hard work and awesome responses to the questions you feature on your podcast. Very best wishes, Kay. Isn't that nice?
0: Thanks, Kay. That is often a tough situation. It's nice when people are able to see and recognize the good in it.
1: I agree. Well, now, wasn't that better? Look at the effect of a little
0: politeness our show for today as always thank you for listening and spending some of your day with us we hope you have a wonderful rest of your week and don't forget there's no show without you so send us your questions your etiquette salutes and your suggestions to etiquette at emilypost.com if you like what you hear don't be shy tweet it facebook post it and of course you can subscribe on itunes or your favorite podcast app and leave us a review on Facebook, we're the Emily Post Institute. On Twitter, I'm at Daniel underscore Post.
1: And I'm at Lizzie APost.
0: Or you can visit our website, emilypost.com. Our theme music was composed and performed by Bob Wagner. Our show is produced by Hans Butow.